just wanted to do a quick introduction. Our very own Sue Kim will be coming up and um, preach. We'll be preaching the word. Um, actually, maybe we'll take a couple minutes and like say hello to everybody. I know there's a few people who've come in, but there's a lot of friendly faces in the in the seats. traffic is on 29 when I was out with the family and ended up just uh, late to everything so didn't have time to go home I'm also using Pastor Q's Bible so I just had a quick chance to read it so um, if I don't read what I think is in there then memorize the yes we say we'll see how that goes but anyway so my apologies for that but let's pray Lord thank you for this time together again as we begin this year together God we as Pastor Q and Pastor Me we shared yesterday God we not only want to hear from you God we must hear from you we must hear from you. You said that man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so, Father, we need spiritual bread, Lord, that will sustain us for this year, God, that will sustain us for faithfulness unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Does anyone know the term latchkey kid? I don't know if that's as common nowadays, but... For me, I grew up with parents that, so last week it technically means that when you get home from school, your parents aren't there. So you have a key around your neck and that type of thing. So that was me. I grew up, I went to school, my parents wouldn't be at home. I don't know. Y'all got, got parents that are home. Yeah, you wore a key, you wore a key around your neck. Yeah, because that's how you got home. No one was home, you got home. That's how you get inside the house. Right? That's, so that's what we had to do. Um, and then one day in high school, the worst thing that could happen to a last kid could happen to me. You lost your key. I lost my key. Yes. I was walking home, walking home, and I, and I don't feel that familiar thing around my neck. I'm like, what happened to my key? And I'm panicking because no one's home. I can't get home. It's cold. I'm walking home from Roosevelt High School in um, Peachy County, Peachy County. And it's like, man, it's cold. I need to get in the house. I don't have my key. But then I get, I get closer to home, and the nice thing is, I see my mom's car. I'm like, oh, thank goodness she's home. Thank goodness she's home, right? Yeah. So I knock on the door. She doesn't answer. Keep knocking on the door. I'm like, her car is here, right? My mom doesn't go anywhere else. Like, she goes like, to church, to the grocery store, and home. That's it. She's here. So I'm knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking, and she's not opening the door. I'm starting to get angry. I'm like, oh, mom! You know, I'm like, starting to yell. Like, people in my neighbors probably be like, 
boy crazy right now, right? So I'm sure they would have helped me, but then they're probably like, I'm not gonna let that fool into my house, <laughs> right? And then later I find out my mom was in the shower so she couldn't hear me, right? And so for me, that closed door was such a frustrating and helpless event. And tonight, uh, the Word of God tells us about a closed door. And not just a closed door for anybody, not just for me having a closed door that inconvenienced me, but a closed door for Jesus himself. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Again, I'm reading, I am reading from the NASB, which I haven't read since I've left, uh, left home, so we'll see how this version is. It's probably the same, but... Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. Verses 14 to 22. Give everyone a second to get there. Again, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, and have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door, and knock. A closed door is a sign of self-sufficiency. A closed door is a sign of self-sufficiency. So to all the churches that John wrote to, he wrote to seven churches, and it was a circular, so if you guys ever look at a map, he wrote to the seven churches in this way, and Laodicea was the furthest from the island of Patmos where he wrote from. So Laodicea was the last one, but each of the churches, Jesus says to them, I know your works. Similar to Laodicea, he says, I know your works. Today to Hope Church, he says, I know your works. The thing about Laodicea is that he doesn't commend them at all. There's no commendation for something good that they're doing. It's just a rebuke. And what is a rebuke? It's from the amen. I love that. It's, it's, it, when Jesus would say something important, he said, truly, truly, or amen, amen, I tell you. He not only says amen, he is the amen. He is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, not only the beginning of the creation, John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the word, the word was God, right? And the word was with God. Not only that, but the beginning of the new creation, the new covenant in God says this. He says that I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. Now, often this is interpreted in such a way that it means that you're either be Jesus either wants you to be passionate for him or completely cold. Don't be either or don't be in the middle. Don't be lukewarm. So either be passionate or outright reject him. Um, again, he is the faithful witness, the, the amen, the, the true word, the one that cannot lie. And I don't believe he's, I don't interpret it in such a way that says that he wants you to be passionate or not passionate at all. Right? Because the Bible says that he desires none to perish. It wouldn't make any sense for Jesus to say, actually, I would rather you reject me outright than reject me a little bit, right? Just tell me no, rather than putting me in the friend zone. You know what I'm saying, right? Say yes or no. I don't believe that's a proper interpretation. I believe what Jesus is saying here, because he's writing, remember, he's writing to an actual church in Laodicea. 
See, Laodicea was a rich area. They were rich in commerce. They were at a crossroads of commerce. And so they had tons of gold, tons of wool that they sold. And they also had optometrists. And they had this eye balm that would help people see. So Jesus tells this place that says, he, he gives them an object lesson for them. See, they didn't have a, a, a water supply in the city. They were at a crossroads, no water supply. There were two cities nearby, about six to 10 miles away. So this is a cold spring here, right? And this is a hot spring here. So the hot spring would have healing water. The cold spring would be refreshing water. So without having a um, water supply, so instead of going to get water from either source, what they did was they created aqueducts. Archaeology later found that there were aqueducts from these two large cities nearby that came to Laodicea. And what would happen is that at the source, the water was extremely cold in the city. The water in this city was extremely hot. But when it got to Laodicea, rather than being hot or cold, it was now lukewarm. So rather than being impacted by its source, whether it's cold or hot, the water now was, an, was a product of its environment. It was no longer tied to its source. You actually had no idea where the water came from. And what would happen is because the water wasn't hot or cold, it would actually make you sick. Now some of you who drink coffee know what I'm talking about. You either want your hot coffee hot or you want it cold, right? You don't want it, have you guys ever drank coffee that's just been sitting around the room all day? That just is nasty. I, I don't know what it is, it's not that much warmer than iced coffee. But it's nasty. Like, it's, my coffee's got to be hot or cold. Don't give me none of this lukewarm stuff that's bitter. Have you guys done that? Like, sometimes I'm desperate studying for seminary. You know, I'm like, man, home is far away. All I got is this cold coffee that I've had since 9 a.m. It's like 2 p.m. And like, I just need a, you know, a little caffeine. So I drink. But it is gross, right? I almost want to spit it out. But, you know, I'm a poor seminarian, so I, got, I just need caffeine, right? But this is what Jesus is saying to this church. You guys know this. You guys know that because the water is not close to the source, it's no good. In the same way, church, we can become self-sufficient. We can be so far from the source that we become a product of our environment, of our culture, of our workplaces, of our families, more than the amen and the faithful witness. As we look at our lives, as we look at how we live, how we think, what we do, is it driven by the amen, the faithful witness, the beginning of the creation of God? Or is it a product of the environment that we're in? Maybe you are from a broken home. Maybe there's trouble in your home. But is the amen with the cold water, this, the, he said he's a living water, is that transforming your broken family? Or is our family allowing us to become hopeless? Are you transforming your hopeless workplace? For those, I know many are teachers in this room. Are you allowing the hopelessness of this generation to affect and impact the amen? That you're saying, Jesus, I don't know if you're the amen. I don't know if you're the faithful witness. Because my situation is too difficult for you to change. Church, a closed door is a sign of self-sufficiency. That we're no longer near our source. Whether we're hot or whether we're cold. That we're far away from our source. We need to get back to our source. As Pastor Kim and Pastor Mimi shared yesterday, we need to hear from God. We need to hear what he says about us. We need to see what, hear what he says about our situation. We need to see what he says about our lives. 
And he begins to say, because you say I'm rich, in verse 17, because you say I'm rich and I've become wealthy and have need of nothing. Are we in a position like this? Are we so far from our supply that we say, I'm good? Some of you might not be suffering. Some of you guys might be getting promotion after promotion. Some of you guys might be enjoying favor and relationships everywhere you are. Like, I'm good. Those other people in my church that might be suffering, those other people in my workplace that might be suffering, bad for them, but for me, I'm good. I am in good shape. But the faithful witness says this, (laughs) and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This is our condition. So often we can get far away from God, far away from our source, and become impacted by our situation. And what does that result in? It results in a closed door. Last year, Pastor Q gave a word, Pastor Q gave a word of the open door, which came from early in chapter 3 to the church in Philadelphia. Said, God said, there's a door, and no one will be able to close it. That's the door that Jesus gives, and yet, here in Laodicea, we find a church with this door closed. How can there be a church with Jesus on the outside like I was in my house, knocking on the door? Let me let me in. The very one that we gather around, the very one who's made us righteous to be able to stand before God, is on the outside of this church knocking. Knocking, let me in. Let me in. A closed door is a sign of self-sufficiency. Now, what is the solution for this? What might the Bible tell us is a result of this? If it was me, it'd be judgment. If I was Christ who could do whatever he wanted, I will just kick the door down. And say, y'all fools need to let me in. How can you be doing church without me? I am the, you're my bride. How can you, how can you be in the house without me? Why is this door closed? I would knock it in. But let's look at what Jesus does. Verse 20, picking up there. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. (coughs) He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. An open door is a sign of faithful witness and fellowship with Christ. Instead of condemning this church, instead of saying, I'm going to come and judge you, there's an invitation. An invitation to let him in. An invitation to come and dine with him. An invitation... That's a guarantee. He says, I will come in. If you open door, I will come in. That's the beauty of this. Even if we've become self-sufficient, even if we've become far away from our source, even if we become lukewarm coffee, that's useless. Jesus says, if you open the door, I will come in and meet with you. He says, to be zealous and to repent. I want to ask you, 
most of you guys are archers, in a workplace. How zealous, zealous are you? If your coworkers were to ask you, would they say that you are like Christ, a faithful witness? Would they even know that you're Christian? Are you defined by your source? Or are you defined by your environment? This is a challenge to us, to be zealous and to repent. <clears throat> Say, Jesus, I've become self-sufficient. I've become more focused like Laodicea did. I've become rich. I'm comfortable, Jesus. See, that, there wasn't anything wrong with that. In the Old Testament, material favor, material blessing was a sign that your relationship with God was right. And Jesus says, you might think your relationship was right, but you cannot be farther from the truth. You're actually wretched and poor. But the beautiful thing is the Beatitude says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And that is the promise. Not only will he dine with us, but he says that I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. Have you, just think about that picture. I'll give you guys a option. Daniel, can you just put your legs down right now? So let's say this is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus on his throne. All right? Just take, take a look at this picture. This is what it's saying. It said, I will grant him to sit on, just think about this, my throne, right? He's already sitting on the throne. What's going to happen? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious, right? Because you think about it. He'll give you the right to sit on his throne. Christ is seated in the heavenly places. And actually, Ephesians says that it's actually in the past tense that he has seated us in heavenly places. See, the reality is, Hope Church, the reality, the earth will tell, the world will tell you, yeah, you're not, I don't see you marked by Christ. That's, that's how they define our reality. But our reality is, we are so close to the source. You might think you're seated at 6120, Day Long Lane Avenue? Day Long Avenue? Lane. Lane? Day Long Lane. But you're actually seated in heavenly places. The Bible says in Ephesians that he has seated us with him in heavenly places. He has given us the right to sit like a child on the lap of our heavenly father. To sit on his throne. To those who will overcome. To those who will not give in to persecution. Who will not give in to the temptation to say, In Jesus' name, being for the truth of God. Those quick prayers. Those things I just say, like, oh, is that a Bible? No, I'm just a book. <laughs> That's how I was in high school. That's how I was in college. But Jesus says, the faithful witness says, To those who will overcome. To those who will be my faithful witnesses. I will give them the right. I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. An open door is a sign of faithful witness and fellowship with Christ. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you that you are a gracious God. Thank you that you do not allow us to continue on walking without knowing the reality that we have in you. That as we begin this year, it's not about trying harder to be like you to hear from you, God. It's the fact that, Lord, because of what you've done, we are near you. 
that we're called friends. That right now we're not merely sitting in seats on earth, God, but that we are seated with you in heavenly places because of what Christ has done. Father, may we be faithful witnesses wherever it is, whether it's a workplace, whether it's school, whether it's teaching, ministry, whatever it may be, God. May we be faithful witnesses, God. May we be men and women defined by our sources, not our environment. Father, forgive us for our sin. Forgive us for thinking that we can do church without you, God. Forgive us for thinking that ARC is a methodology or a practice, God. Forgive us for thinking that it's, a, it's about what we want, what I want for myself, what I want for my life. Forgive us for being self-sufficient and thinking that, Lord, we are rich, that we have all that we need. Thank you for the reminder that, Lord, we are indeed poor and wretched, God, and we need you today. And thank you for your promise that if we will confess our sins, that you will come and dine with us. Thank you for the open door that we have in you, Jesus.